Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. This is the Sons of UCF podcast. Your place for UCF sports talk year-round. Now, here is Adam and Mike. Oh boy, friends. The uh, 145th edition of the Sons of UCF is back. I am Adam, and as always, Mr. UCF Mike is with me for Mike. A game week, finally. We have a game week. I don't even know what to do with myself. Welcome in, my friend. Oh, Oh, I just started bouncing in the garage right now. Okay. I am jacked up for this week, baby. Only a couple days away. Finally, this offseason's come to an end, even though it was a fun offseason. A lot of of stuff happened, but nothing beats a game week. It actually sounded like you were bouncing for a second there. You are right, my friend. Nothing beats a game week. UCF and Boise State Thursday night. Uh, I can't wait. Mike can't wait. Uh, We're going to be out there at the Sons of UCF tailgate. Make sure you find us. We are going to be right outside the stadium. You can't miss us. We'll have balloons, apparently. We'll have a Sons of UCF. I, I know you do. We'll have a Sons of UCF sign. We'll have a giant-ass tent. Make sure you stop by, say hello, and uh, hang out for a little while. Uh, if you haven't already done that, uh, uh, at least the, the part of finding out about the tailgate, that's because you don't know about our, our social media stuff. So follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at Sons of UCF. Follow Mike at UCF Mike One. And uh, make sure you check out our website, twonightsmedia.com. Do all that good stuff. We'd appreciate you. And don't forget, uh, live show this Wednesday, special edition, because obviously we're going to be busy on Thursday. So this Wednesday, join me, Mike, and Trace Trelco live, 8 p.m., Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and twonightsmedia.com as we preview everything Boise State, Mike. But as you said, we are so close to game day. I cannot wait. Um, how I guess how excited are you to finally get this 2021 season rocking and rolling? Man, uh, to get the Boca Bowl taste out of our mouth this last time we saw our guys on the field, for me to get back on campus for the first time since 2019 yeah. against the Cows, wow. it's been a while, man. I haven't been back there. Uh, I cannot wait to get out there Thursday, take the drive up Thursday morning, nice relaxing drive, and start the tailgating nice and early, man. That, that's something I haven't done in a while. Even that game I went to in 2019, I didn't even tailgate. I went with the family. We kind of got there a little before kickoff. So I, I can't even – the last tailgate I had there probably was the um, – I, I, do you want to say the Cincinnati game, the, the uh, game day game, wow. I guess. All right. Well, so Mike may be a little rusty, but don't hold that against him again. Check out our tailgate, Mike. Uh, and let's get into some headlines. We got some small kind of minor headliney things here we can run through off the top of the show. Let's start with, I guess, maybe bad news or surprising news first. So the uh, the stadium naming rights deal, something we all expected to be a done deal by the time we walked into the stadium on Thursday. 
doesn't appear to be taking shape after all. To catch everybody up, the uh, the board of trustees was scheduled to meet on this a few weeks back. That meeting was uh, postponed. Uh, and then it was rescheduled for a, uh, a, a night last week and then it was uh, canceled and then r- uh, rumors started to break that the uh, the deal uh, per- rumored to be with 3MG roofing and solar had broken down. Initially, some folks pointed the finger at the legislature and said, hey, you know, these guys are doing that again. A lot of the uh, um, the roof dot com bad taste was still, I guess, laying around. But then, like, interestingly enough, a couple folks on Twitter, even some state reps, uh, uh, Carlos Smith was one, uh, I think Chris Latava is the other, essentially said, hey, no, this isn't us. Like, we're not doing anything in the legislature. And that started putting the finger back on some members of the board of trustees who, for whatever reason, may be uncomfortable with 3MG as a naming sponsor for the stadium. Timo came out um, at a previous night and basically said they're still working through some things. And when the time is right, they hope to close the deal, Mike. So... Thursday, we will be, uh, we'll still be at the bounce house and we will not be at 3MG Stadium, which is funny because UCF had to redo their social media tweet when they referenced that. Uh, the, the game log, if you uh, go to your TV, at least as a few days ago, was still showing as 3MG Stadium, Mike. So something went awry here, but uh, you are not going to 3MG Stadium uh, this week. You're going to the bounce house. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's a little disappointing that when we we're opening the season, and we still don't have the name on the stadium. Right? That, that one is taken care of. And it's been a few weeks now that we thought this deal was done and it's still not official. Uh, technically, if you look on your direct TV um, game, I went to go record it the other day. It says we're playing at Spectrum Stadium. Oh, so they're a little behind the times. <laughs> but th- this is something that should have been taken care of. It They should have already had the approval of the Board of Trustees, I would have thought, you know, before I even got this far in the process. You would think that they would put some feelers out there or get get to feel what everybody felt about this company. And if there was any problems, we should have known that up front before we would let it get this far. So I'm a little disappointed that that's what's going on right now. Um, Hopefully, you know, before this season really gets rolling. I mean, you think we're missing out on money because of this? Uh, Are we not going to have to get as much from 3MG? Because they're not going to have their name on the stadium when we do a live broadcast this Thursday night. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I assume there would have been some revenue, and that's probably what Mohadra's uh, frustrated about. Is you know, I'm, I'm sure the the naming rights deal uh, factored into his revenue plan. I know he released a budget. I want to say it was like seventy three million dollars or something along those lines. Athletic budget. I'm sure the stadium naming rights played some role in that. I don't know exactly where, but I'm sure it played a role. And it's frustrating, Mike, because this is now the second straight time that we've had a sponsor step up, and for whatever reason, we're still not able to close the deal. Again, this one, no one's really talking. I mean, I think a lot of it's social media speculation that somebody in the board of trustees perhaps wasn't, I don't know, comfortable with 3MG because they're a younger company or whatnot. Um, but I'm, I'm to your point, all that, that was already known. It wasn't like someone should have been like, hey, oh, by the way, did you guys know how young the company? I mean, that, that information was available. So I, I don't know why that became a last minute hang up and a last minute snag. And here's what's funny, Mike. I was watching uh, the Gus Malzahn press conference today, uh, and uh, they, uh, they they played on the YouTube channel um, or Twitch even for um, for UCF. Mike, did you notice uh, whose whose sponsorship name was on the bottom of the uh, the Gus Malzahn press conference? I know in the background, it's been there for a couple of weeks. It's been yeah. saying 3MG, and it, that's on the bottom bar too. It was the 3MG roofing and solar? It was in green actually, which uh, I think irked some people because it's too close to the puke cow colors. So I guess I'm confused that uh, 3MG is good enough to take their money for a smaller sponsorship, but you want to give us more money? No, 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 no. We don't. We don't want that. I guess here, here's the problem, and I understand that business deals are complex. 
there are probably a lot of things involved in that that you know are, are negotiated and aren't for public consumption. But I feel like somebody needs to say something. I feel like there needs to be some form of an update on sort of where we are because I don't understand why they're they're good enough to be the backdrop sponsor at a press conference or the title bar sponsor on the screen underneath the head coach of the program. But they're not. I think they're are they even on the the field of the stadium. I don't even know who's on the field anymore. Um, but they're not good enough to to be the naming sponsor. I think something just needs to be answered about this because I think to UCF fans it feels like once again you know, there's there's somebody working against us, and that's a that's a big frustration, Mike. Because obviously we all want to pull in the same direction here. Right. That's how the field. I think we had roof claim on the field a couple of years we did. ago, right? Yeah, we did. I wouldn't think that they'd still be on the field if we have another roofing company also sponsoring us. They're probably gone now altogether. So I, maybe they'll put uh, 3MG on the field and it's not the official name of the stadium on Thursday and then add that on later. I don't know. But 3MG's got to be feel shortchanged if they're not going to have their name somewhere on an ESPN broadcast 7 o'clock prime time to kick off the season if they already had this deal worked out. Well, it's also unfortunate, too, because from what I understand about 3MG, and I'm not exactly um, completely immersed in the Orlando roofing game, but I think uh, uh, there's a lot of connections between UCF and 3MG. I believe several, if not all of those guys, are UCF alums or have a, have a UCF tie-in. So it's literally like your best-case scenario. Your your alums go out, they find a way to make a, a successful business, and they're in a position to uh, to, to pay um, you know what I assume is good money um, to, to be the, the, you know, the sponsor of a stadium of their favorite team. Like nothing could be cooler than that. And to have the rug yanked, that's gotta just suck, man, because I can only imagine if somehow you and I, you know, blew sons of UCF up until we were a multi-million dollar enterprise. And we were like, I can't wait to put it on the stadium. And that got, that got taken from us. I would be, I would be royally pissed if I was those guys. Mm. Yeah. That, that could be us in a few years. I mean, see the way this podcast has been exploding <laughs> the last yeah. few months. Well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we're next in line maybe we can buy it for just this week I think somebody prorated how much it would cost if you took their deal that they agreed to and it comes out to about $30,000 per week or maybe that's just for the day for the for a game day so <laughs> that would be funny you, yeah that would be funny if Timo if Timo sold it by the game <laughs> that would that would be funny <laughs> right or they did it like um one of those piano bars and they just put a, a digital sign up there and Every time somebody ups the money, that just changes. You know, put Sons of UCF up there at two o'clock. If somebody wants to change the name, <laughs> they gotta put in an extra hundred bucks, and then three o'clock it's something else. We gotta be able to win the UConn game for sure, right? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm in for ten bucks. I'll All do. right, here we go. Ten bucks it is. Well, either way, um, when you get to the stadium on Thursday, it'll still be the bounce house, and uh, who knows how long that'll be. Uh, Mohajer didn't really give a solid timeline said when the timing is right they'll close the deal again interpret that as you will but once again it feels like it feels like a little friendly fire from the inside someone's playing defense against us which obviously is frustrating because you know it's uh it's about time we we get the the main property um from an athletic perspective on campus uh as as a revenue generator particularly from an advertising standpoint so stay tuned we'll see if we ever get that deal unearthed or if we go back to uh uh, to new deals, Mike. But um, either way, whatever the stadium's called in a couple of years, who knows how many years, uh, where will UCF be playing in a conference when that is uh, time to change, Mike? Rumors are starting to percolate again. Uh, we we saw last week the Pac-12 declined to um, to expand their conference and offer anybody uh, entry. And so the Big 12 essentially balls in their court now. Are they going to uh, – they're obviously not going to be able to go to the Pac-12. So what are they going to do? You heard rumors over the weekend that uh, committees were meeting and subcommittees were meeting 
And there's a bunch of rumors out there now that a bunch of schools are, are already already being talked to, have been talked to, will be talked to. It's hard to know what to believe here. But namely those schools, Mike, that you're hearing the most, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and yes, UCF, Mike. So now that we have a little bit more clarity on where we are from a I guess from a move perspective, now that you know maybe the potential schools that could come with us if, if all those other names are correct, what are your what's your stance so far on should UCF continue to try to work their way into the Big 12? Well, the Big 12 is still an autonomous conference. That makes a difference. They have more voting power when it comes to things around college football. So that's a big key. Uh, I don't think they'll keep calling it a Power 5 conference once Texas and Oklahoma leave. But it's definitely clearly the next best conference and probably in a lot of people's opinions, better conference than the Pac-12 or even the ACC in football. So but it's still uh, miles ahead of the AAC or Conference USA or the MAC or Mountain West or any of those conferences, especially if you're taking three of the top programs from the American and putting them in the big the American gets hurt the most. You lose UCF, you lose Cincinnati, you lose a team like Houston. Uh, what are you left with? Memphis and the Cows? Uh, that, that conference takes a big hit. Then they're going to take from Conference USA or the Sun Belt or whatever, and it all trickles down. Every conference gets weaker. Uh, the Big 12, I, I, I want to see when they would let these other teams in. Are we still going to Are we gonna be able to get in in those years when Oklahoma and Texas are still there? Are Oklahoma and Texas still going to be there after this year? I, that I still have a hard time believing. I think they're going to be gone after this year anyway. So – when all these things get put in place, it's interesting. It's great to hear that UCF is one of the top schools mentioned every time. I think for sure, if the Big 12 expands, we are definitely going to be one of the teams that head that way. Look, I know there's a it's a nuanced conversation because there's, there's pros and cons to, to each of those sides. I think the first thing, what's the money look like? Because obviously the TV contract and the, and the money you're going to get for being in the conference will, will be a big thing. Obviously, I think UCF's due, what, $7 million in the American uh, rumors would be again. Uh, TV people are speculating that a, a retooled Big Twelve can maybe net you fourteen per school, so double the money. Now, that's nothing to sneeze at, Mike. I'm not saying it's a you know it's a life changing payday, but it's nothing to sneeze at. I, I guess I would phrase it this way, and this is how I, I think about it. I'm not saying it's the best way to do this, but if let's say UCF does not get invited to a retooled Big Big Twelve, right? Let's say they invite Houston and Cincinnati and BYU and Boise, and we get left out. How pissed off are we going to be? And so I think that's the element. A lot of people are saying like, no, let's not go there. Let's wait it out in the AAC. But if we get passed over and we don't get invited, I mean, how pissed off do you think the fan base would be? I, I assume they'd be pretty pissed off. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's pitchfork time if that happens. Uh, I don't think there's a scenario where that could happen. I we are. I think when they did their 2016 research, and if they were to expand then, we were going to be one of the top two picks to go that and that's before the success we had in 2017 and 18 and, and the name we've built ourselves on the social media platforms over the last few years with showing how big our fan base has grown in that time. So I think we're shooing if this is to happen. But you're right. If those schools leave and we're in a decimated AAC, I mean, technically we'll, we'll have a lot easier path. But, I mean, that, that conference is a lot weaker without Cincinnati, without Houston. It's basically us and SMU. Uh, and the cows that we're left with it. and we're left with Temple and Tulane and Tulsa no thanks I'd rather get rid of the dead weight here in the American and pick up the schools in, in the Big 12 schools like um, West Virginia 
and Baylor and you know, those schools that have a tradition of football, not just football, but other sports. The basketball is a lot better in the yes. Big 12. Yes. You're talking about Baylor just won a we national get, championship. We would get worked in the Big 12 basketball right now. <laughs> Baylor, Kansas, uh, Texas Tech is good. Um, West Virginia's t- uh, West Virginia's typically pretty good. Oklahoma State's nothing to sneeze at. We we might get worked in that conference basketball wise. Yes, but that only you know it, we'll get better. We will start sure. getting those resources, and we, after a couple years, we will work our way up. So, and then you're talking about building all the facilities that Timo was talking about building a couple weeks ago. Doubling the money that's that's a no brainer. If somebody's gonna give you twice as much money to go to that conference, I think you have to do it. And then think about the com- the teams that are in the Big Twelve right now. Their money's getting cut in half. So for us, it seems like a great deal. For them, they're still losing a lot of money. I think we could take over the Big 12 in just a short period of time if that's the case. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting. You think about the um, you know, the, the teams in the conference right, versus the teams in the uh, American conference. And, you know, is, is the bottom of the – you know, is the bottom of the Big 12 better than, you know, the center the bottom of the American, right? And I think it might be, right? You think about, you know, you, you know the Americans dragging the cows along, right? They're dragging, um, you know, they're dragging Temple along at this point, right? Like, luckily, we got rid of UConn. Uh, but we're dragging around a lot of, a lot of you know, I guess, subpar teams from, from that perspective. Uh, and so, you know, does, does, the, does the bottom teams, East Carolina, we're dragging around a little bit. You know, the bottom team, obviously, in the Big 12 football-wise is Kansas, um, Baylor is a bit of a rebound. Texas Tech's on a bit of a rebound. Everybody else, at least last year, and again, a COVID impacted year, pretty much right in that middle, between a six and three and a four, uh, four and five record. So, um, I, I think the bottom of the Big Twelve is is definitely better, appreciably. But I think if you put the if Kansas plays the cows, I mean, a probably the world comes to an end. But if Kansas plays the cows, who wins? <laughs> Nobody hey, actually. Everybody loses really in that scenario, I guess. Yeah, that is a, that's a tough one to call. Right? Kansas has been well, they've won like two games in the last three years, something ridiculous like that. And the cows are right there with them. Uh, that'd be a pick 'em game, I think. Either way, I think UCF's got to consider it. I think you know that there's there's some advantages to going to the Big Twelve. Money could be one of those advantages. Again, your chance to, to finally if, if if and I think diligence has to be done. Are are they going to stay solvent as a conference? Are they going to be a conference that they're going to be around? Is it going are they going to fold after that? Are they going to continue to stay in that sort of autonomous five? There's definitely things to consider, but at least right now UCF's name is is being bandied about again. We've been here before, um, and so what the timing looks like to your point, who knows? But at least uh, UCF's name is starting to come up. Whether or not any of these things are plausible or going to happen, stay tuned, Mike. We uh, we will let you know. And if for some reason UCF finds its way in the Big 12 in the next one or two years, um, we'll, we'll have two guys playing for us potentially that uh, we were not planning on being on UCF's team uh, as the as even as the summer started, Mike. Uh, Gus Malzahn announced it's uh, official Joey Gatewood, the uh, QB transfer from Auburn and then uh, Kentucky, is eligible at UCF, Mike. He's on the roster wearing number seven. And so he is on. Uh, he's on the roster and eligible. And then, I, I, kind of out of nowhere, Mike, a guy by the name of Woody Barrett, who was a, a quarterback of late at Kent State, um, is somehow now on the UCF roster, wearing Bentavious Thompson's old number twenty-four, and uh, now he's a running back, Mike. Uh, so we picked up two guys. Um, both of them have Gus Malzahn ties. Um, I don't know how either of them fit in this year. Do you think either of these guys fit in or play into any of UCF's plans this year? It's very possible, and. The biggest surprise out of this is immediate eligibility. I mean, last year, we were waiting how long for Devon Wilson? Jaden Francois never got cleared to play. 
uh, now Gus all of a sudden is here and when these guys in one day are eligible, I, I don't know. I'm not saying we're doing anything uh, illegal here, Uh-oh. but it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to get this respect or th- this priority that I guess SEC teams seem to get all the time. Now it's happening. Is this a COVID thing? And now they're a lot more lenient with these things. I don't know, but I'll take it. And these guys seem like athletes. They were very highly touted players coming out of high school, both of them, all kinds of offers, uh, obviously playing in Auburn and, and the SEC schools. Uh, it can't hurt to have the depth, right? We've talked about how, how much the running backs have been hurt in the last couple of weeks. Thompson let go from the team and RJ Harvey with the injury. So we need as many guys back there as we can. Now we just replace them with these two athletes. Um, I, I love it. So I think, for sure, there's a spot this season. Maybe not this first game. I mean, these guys just stepped on campus. Yeah. Maybe you gotta give them a couple weeks to get acclimated. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if this first week, Malzahn knows uh, Gatewood already. Maybe he has a little package for him. Maybe a wild night package, four or five plays already drawn up to to emphasize his strengths. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there for a couple plays this week. But I think as the season goes along, we'll see more and more of him. Well, it's, uh, so Woody Baird, for those who aren't uh, aware, uh, 6'2", 245 pounds. That is a large human being. Uh, so maybe, again, in, never played running back. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a quarterback his entire career at Kent State. Not not impressive stats as a quarterback. As, as a runner, though, in 2018, uh, he ran for 500 yards, seven touchdowns. 2019 did not uh, did not run nearly as much and uh, did not play uh, in 2020. So... Um, so if, if you're looking for a goal line back, Mike, six two two forty five feels like it might qualify for that. That's a big boy. It's a big boy. That's a Mike Alstout role. Right? Come in short yardage and maybe like a fullback. I don't know if we're going to use it as a traditional fullback, but somebody that can go in there and get that tough one yard when you need it. That's something that we're missing from this roster. We talked about coming into the season that Bowser was going to be that guy. He was the biggest guy. This guy's a lot bigger than Bowser. So, and plus, he's got quarterback, you know, um, skill. So you, let's say you, you know, we get first and goal from the two. You bring this kid in, put him in the shotgun. You put Bowser next to him. And you do one of those read options. Uh, p- pick your poison at that point, right? I mean, you got you got two larger running backs, you know, running downhill. Uh, and and so maybe it's kind of a Daryl Mac esque style offense. But the, I mean, Woody Barrett was not a name that I think any of us were thinking about. I have no, I'd never heard his name before until he came to UCF. So. Who knows what that looks like? And in terms of Joey Gatewood, you know, I think you and I bandied about would he even be a quarterback? Malzahn was pretty, I guess, definitive that he he was coming to play quarterback. Um, and so I, I wonder if he'll see the field. Obviously, he hasn't been taking part of any of the reps with UCF. You know, you got Mikey Keene, a young kid. Um, and so there's Mikey or, or Quadri even still the backup and, and Gatewood's just kind of kind of red shirt and learn. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Gatewood mixes in. I, I do think I wonder if we'll, I, I, I suspect we'll see Barrett more than we'll see Gatewood. Yeah, well, you're not going to see either one of them play quarterback unless something terrible went wrong. You know, Dylan Gabriel was the quarterback 98% of the time, and the other 2% is some some special wild night package or something to give him a, a break or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say Barrett. I would say Barrett in short yardage things, but you never know with this Gatewood. This Gatewood also sounds like he's just an all-around athlete. You can split him out at tight end or something or maybe put him out for a pass, and he can do that too. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of both of them. Either way, it feels like Gus is acquiring weapons, right? He's 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 putting more artillery in his uh, 
you know, in his in his cabinet, if you will. So how how we how he uses it will be interesting because he's got some interesting, unique weapons uh, that uh, have have some kind of versatile skill sets. So again, we've we've always considered Gus, and he's always kind of been thought of as one of these one of these guys who is uh, sort of a an offensive genius, kind of a creative offensive play caller. We'll see if that holds true if if uh, he can use these these particular pieces to to his advantage, Mike. Um, Gus did meet the media today, like I talked about. And, you know, uh, spoiler alert, he's not releasing a depth chart. I, this is always funny to me, Mike. He doesn't want to release a depth chart till Wednesday. Um, and Boise won't release theirs till Wednesday. Like, the gamesmanship on this stuff always cracks me up. But, you know, I guess why release information if you don't have to. But either way, so we have no idea of the depth chart. But the only thing Gus really kind of let slide in the press conference is one of the positions or one of the battles still ongoing, Mike, is for kicker. Um, still, I guess, no decision left on kicker. We don't know who he's deciding between. We've talked about Obarski, uh, Riker Casey, and Garen Boniel are all in camp. Uh, so uh, I guess that's the last position, Mike. How concerned are you that we are, uh, We are as we re-record this, we are three days away from uh, from the game, and we have no idea who our kicker is? I'm very concerned about the kicking game. <laughs> Based on what we saw the last couple of seasons out of Obarski, his kickoff duties, I don't know how many he kicked out of bounds the last two years. Obviously, the missed field goal at Memphis. So that's a bad taste in my mouth coming into the season. And the fact that neither one of these other two guys has just come and run away with the job says that neither one of them is really that much better than Obarski either. So I'm very concerned about the kicking game. I hope this game does not come down to a kick. I already told you I'd rather be down four than down two late in the game, put the, hit, put the ball in Dylan Gabriel's hands to go win it. So uh, I don't know, man. I'm not going to feel good about it until I see one of these guys go out there and hit a nice – 40-yard field goal going into the half or something. Then maybe I'll calm down a little bit. And hopefully the game doesn't come down to a kick at the end. But right now, confidence-wise in the kicking game, it's probably the least confidence I have at any position on the field. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because we we know what we, we've we seen Obarski, so we know what that looks like. Has anybody seen Riker Casey kick a ball through uprights? Uh, I mean, obviously probably in high school, right? But he did not kick any field goals in his one year at Appalachian State. I don't think he's made any of the Trace Trucco's the Bruder films from from practice. Uh, so I, no one's really seen him kick. Um, Garen Bonio, I think we saw him knuckleball a couple of, uh, in in one of those Bruder films. But we so we haven't seen these guys kick. We have no idea, um, you know, what they're capable of and, and what they're going to do. So I mean, G- Gus has a decision on his hands here. My suspicion, this is just me guessing. I, I guess he goes Obarski just because he at least has some experience. And he, you know, basically says, "Hey, but you got a short hook, son." Now I don't know if Obarski's got the makeup to to leverage that as uh, as motivation to play well, but I, I I suspect this is just a guess. I have no inside info. I think he starts off with Obarski just because he will at least have some game action, some game experience, but know that you know essentially Obarski's got a short hook. No, he may have two different guys. He may have a guy come out and do the kickoffs, and then a guy come out, a different guy come out to do the actual field goal kicking. So when somebody kicks off to start off the game, doesn't mean that's the same guy you're going to see doing the first extra point of the first field goal attempt. That's something we got to keep our eye on too. Or if one guy does both, then you know he won the outright competition for everything. Well, maybe so, we'll, maybe he'll go old school. Well, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it the Giants? Didn't Raul Allegra? Wasn't he like their deep kicker and they had like another kicker? Maybe he'll go old school like that. Yeah, the Giants have done that a few times. They had Brad Deluiso as a kickoff specialist. The guy used to kick deep balls, and then you have somebody else, like Matt Barr, kicking field goals and stuff like that. Uh, teams have done that before. Heck, we we were doing it. I think Obarski was kicking off when uh, 
when uh, Dylan. Barnes no, I'm talking about field goals. goals. I'm talking about like one of these guys handles like oh, oh. 30 and in, and the other guy handles like you know 50 to 30 or something. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're right. The Giants used Del Weasel for that too. Um, it wasn't yeah, Raul Allegri. Why do I have a Raul Allegri in my head? Yeah, Allegri was like that too. But uh, well, I don't know if he did it that way. Allegri was the, the kicker, but. It wasn't the same time as uh, Why am I talking Allegri about was more eighties. Raul Allegri, by the way. Raul <laughs> Allegri, you're remembering from Tech Mobile. He's more of the '86 Giants team. Uh, the least that I'm talking about is '90s, mid '90s, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's a possibility. But if you have faith in somebody to hit a 50-yarder, that's probably your guy that you're going to go with for the 30-yarder. I would think. The only time that really happens is if the guy you have the most faith in. And is reliable from 45 and in, doesn't have a strong leg at all. And, and his limit is only, you know, 42 yards. So then when you have something maybe before the half or you have to, you have to try a long one, then you bring in the guy with the big leg and just hope for the best. So I, I don't know if we're going to go, that's the route to go. I think we, whoever it is, Gus has to give him confidence early in the year. Right. If, I think if we're going for it on fourth down, it's fourth and seven at the 25-yard line, and we, we show the kid right away that we have no confidence in him. That could hurt us down the road. I think Heupel did something similar to that last year with Obarski, and maybe that played with his confidence a little. I just fell down a rabbit hole of New York Giants kickers. Uh, in 86, he replaced Ali Hajashiki uh, as, uh, as the kicker. I'm sure one of your favorite Giants of all time. <laughs> I remember watching the 86 Giants Super Bowl. It's the first Super Bowl I remember watching, but if I told you I was – in depth every week as a six-year-old or probably five for most of that season, then I'd be lying to you. But yeah, yeah uh, the 90 Giants, that's more my wheelhouse too. Well, he became the kid. He was a starting kicker in 1990, got injured, and then Matt Barr came in. Uh, he did not kick in uh, the Super Bowl that year. He was replaced by Barr in September. So, all right, well, let's let's see. The kicking game obviously will be a concern. Uh, and and it, I get, maybe Gus does know and just doesn't want to tell us, or maybe he's kind of waiting to – See if these guys kind of sweat it out and see who steps up in these last couple of days of practice. Who knows? But uh, we will all be surprised. I guess I won't be surprised if if it's Obarski. I guess, but I guess we will all be uh, we all learn together who our uh, who our kicker is going to be, Mike. And it'll be a big uh, a potential big um, storyline in the game, Mike. As as the opening line starts here against Boise, this this has been some fluctuation. So I looked this up in three places. So I saw one side had as uh, I think it was. Um, uh, uh, Vsin had his minus five. Then I saw that DraftKings had his minus six, and then I saw that uh, FanDuel has his minus five and a half. Mike, so somewhere between that five and six range is what the opening line is at right now. How do you feel about that as a fan and then as a gambler? UCF minus five or six? Is that uh, what, what does that tell you as a uh, either a fan or somebody who likes to play the ponies? Well, we've talked about this before. Being the home team gets you three points. So they see this on a neutral field. It was, we would still be favored by a couple points. The opening line, I use, I go use uh, Vegas Insider when I do my picks and everything. I always pick Vegas Insider. We started out as a four-point favorite. It's up to five and a half now. That has moved because people are betting on us. So they move the lines and try to get money on both sides and try to find a spot where – You'll get people to bet on Boise as well. So five and a half seems to be that spot right there. It's uh, it's a big jump to go from four to five and a half because you know you're talking about winning by a touchdown now. Even though before I guess it was still it was more than a field goal, but five and a half um, that, that's a pretty good sized number for a team that is ranked right around the same area that we are. 
And plus, these opening games are so hard, right? Because in theory, you know, you haven't seen anybody play yet. So I think some of these opening weekend lines, unless you just know it's like an Alabama versus, yeah, I don't know, whatever, Sycamore, Bishop Sycamore, the team that doesn't really exist, uh, and that's and like a negative 70, you know, that's an easier spread. But teams that are evenly matched first games of the year, these, these got to be tough lines to predict. But Vegas doesn't build buildings uh, because they lose a lot. Um, and but obviously anything can happen. But um, if you were a, a a betting fan, not just a UCF fan, would you would you lay the lay the points, or would you take Boise as an uh, as a road dog? It'd be very. It's hard for me to ever bet on my teams because I always want to bet my teams. I never want to bet against them. So my heart tells me take UCF, give up the five and a half points, and I laid out the scenario. I think this is a four point game late in the game. I, I told you it's twenty eight twenty four when Big Cat Bryant trips. Hank Bachmeyer and Devon Wilson runs it back for a touchdown yeah. and we cover, we win by 10, we win by 11. So uh, that way, yes, I would say yes, give up the points, take UCF. But if that play doesn't happen, we only win by four <laughs> and we don't cover. So either way, we still win. I, I wouldn't touch this line. If I had to bet on if I had my own money and I had to put in a good chunk of it, I probably wouldn't touch it. I think UCF still wins, but we could very easily win by four points and you lose the bet. Yeah, well, I, I, it could go e- either way, right? I mean, obviously, uh, these these are probably evenly matched teams, at least on paper, with what we have coming back and what you know about them. Um, and, and both brand-new coaches breaking in brand-new systems on offense. Um, you know, and, and I think the Florida Heat probably is, is the thing that people are giving us credit for the most. I haven't heard a lot of people say, I think UCF's better. Everything I've heard, College Game Day, give us clean sweep uh, UCF picks on their uh, show on Saturday. And really, all the reasonings was because of the weather. So it seems like everyone thinks we'll win because we're in Orlando, but uh, but who really knows, Mike? Um, quick update, Knights in the NFL. Uh, NFL teams have to get to their 53-man roster by Tuesday afternoon, and uh, not a great day for Knights in the NFL, Mike. Nate Evans was released by the L.A. Chargers. Trey Nixon released by the Patriots, although there's some thought that he could come back to their practice squad. Clayton Gethers, who signed on late with Tennessee, he was released by them. Rashad Perryman in a bit of a surprise. He was released by the Lions. I got to think someone will scoop him up someplace. And then Jordan Franks, who actually have been playing well. For some reason, I've seen a lot of Browns preseason football. Uh, actually, on Sunday night, he made a nice chase down. And uh, after an interception, he chased down the DB and actually forced a fumble and got the ball back. Uh, but Jordan Franks uh, was uh, was let go by the Browns, Mike. So not a great day for Knights in the NFL. No, Franks has put some good film out there for people to see, so I think he may find somebody that takes him up. Um, Brashad, he, he had a big year with the the Jets. What was it, a year ago or two years ago? And yep. he looked like he was he was ready to break out a little bit, and now I'm getting cut again. I didn't see that one coming. Shaquem is still on the Dolphins, right? They never got rid of him. Yet. He has, yeah. Obviously, yeah, it hasn't happened officially yet. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they've done all their cuts yet, but Shaquem's still out there. Otis Anderson with the LA Rams still probably out there. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Otis's future holds. I think Wyatt Miller is still with the Chiefs. We'll see if that sticks. Tristan Hill still with the Cowboys. We'll see if that sticks. So I think there's probably a handful of uh, of guys out there who may still be on the bubble from uh, from UCF on whether or not they'll make a roster. All right. So the one that you mentioned earlier that surprised me a little was the Trey Nixon one, but it sounds like he's going to get a spot on the practice squad. Um, yeah, it's not a good day, but this is a tough league to crack, man. Yeah. The NFL is no joke. <laughs> this is the elite of the elite. You think about going from high school to Division One football, that's a huge jump. To go from Division One up to the NFL, 
uh, and the careers don't last long. You know, you got a guy like Todd Gurley, who's what, only 27 years old. Is he, is he signed with somebody? He is or not. Is he... No, he is actually a free agent. There are some rumors he may sign with the Ravens, but I don't think that's official yet. He's a superstar like just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it, it goes quick. So you get your shot, take advantage of it. And these guys have been in there now for a couple of years. So you're talking about a guy like Wyatt. He's been around for a few years now. And he, he's starting to get some, some opportunities. So hopefully it all works out for these guys. And we get to see him on Sundays. Another quick note, Mike, uh, Florida State released their depth chart today. And at starting quarterback, they list Mackenzie Milton or, or. Jordan Travis. <laughs> so uh, no definitive answer yet on whether or not KZ is the starting quarterback for Florida State, Mike. Uh, what did you make of the Mike Morvell, uh, Mike Morvell, Mike Norvell or tactic? Uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of <laughs> stupid at okay. this point. I mean, I hope at least he's informed the guys which one is starting there, or the team should know who's starting by now. You're a couple of days away from the game. That If you want to keep it a secret from Notre Dame, I get it. Keep it a secret from the media, I get it, I guess. But uh, the whole – if you're going to do the or thing, then just don't release the death chart, right? Do what, what Malzahn and, and Avalos are doing and say you guys will find out the day before or you'll find out the day of. You know, well, what's the point of doing this now and not saying anything? Did he just really because he wanted to release the rest of the the roster, and he just didn't want to say anything about quarterback yet? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, Novell has never struck me as the brightest guy. <laughs> We've all seen the picture with the cornrows, Mike. Okay, here we go. It's probably the most important headline question. Again, we are just a couple of days away from the first game. Obviously, a unique one. When's the last time you went to an opening game for UCF? Ooh. That's a good question uh, because hmm, I don't know. Uh, okay, you got to go a ways back. Well, the the last free. few years now, having kids, obviously, me going to games has been cut back to one or two games per year, not living in town. So it definitely wasn't the last few years. Uh, and typically, some of these opening home games have been against like Akron and schools like that. Sometimes I don't make the trip up. You might have to go back to one of the first few years of the stadium. Maybe 2000, you know what? In 2010, before I got married, before I had kids, I think I made it to all the home games. Uh, I'll say 2010. All right. Well, so game day traditions are big around here. You and I talk about this uh, a lot. Every, I feel like every year we bring this up. Mike, how does this, how does this being in the game or at the game, how does it impact your game day routine, your game day traditions? Are you going to weave some of your usual stuff here? Are you going to go off script? What's, what's the plan? What's the protocol when you have some routines, but now they're kind of screwed because you're at the game? Uh, you know, I've kind of gotten away from a lot of the superstitious stuff. I, I don't have too much in a game day routine anymore. The one thing I do, I, I try to match the team colors, which even if I'm not going to the game, if they, they say the team's wearing black, I'll wear black. That, so that for sure I'm going to do. The team's wearing black, I will be dressed in black for the game. Um, other than that, food and drinks, I mix it up every week. I get a different beer or whatever, and I, I haven't really done anything traditionally that way in a while so i'm pretty open man i kind of my traditions aren't as solid as they used to be do you have a song i mean are you are you going with uh uh you know kerncraft 400 on on game days do you have a song at least you listen to get you pumped up or anything like that yeah i'll put that on that one's definitely on the playlist for the tailgate party um there's a few of them that i like you know i like the uh one that never really got much traction, but as a night fan, I always like Night Train, Guns N' Roses. That, that's all kind of slaps. Yeah. So, uh, th- uh, but really n- nothing strong. 
no strong traditions for me on a game day. You know, I like to have a good time. Uh, if I don't go to a game, which is going to happen a bunch of times this year, I like to find a watch party. Oh yeah. That's, that's always a fun thing to do. I've done that a few times down here. I always said that the most fun I ever had watching a football game that I was not at was the watch party when I went for the Fiesta Bowl in 2013. The one down here in Fort Lauderdale was rocking. I had so much fun at that game. Um, I loved I loved it. I've been to a bunch of the Fort Lauderdale watch parties. I'm going to be going to a lot of them this year. I'm not going, obviously, to this one this first week because I'm going to the game. But I'm definitely going to, the, to a few games this year. They're having it at the Brass Tap, which is in Fort Lauderdale on uh, Federal Highway. That's a nice restaurant. I've been there before, too. It's a nice setup. they got a lot of outdoor seating. Because originally it was supposed to have it at the Funky Buddha. And that, they had to move it because not enough outdoor seating at the Funky Buddha. And I think a few other alumni associations had the same issue. where they recently announced a, a new location. But Brass Tap in Fort Lauderdale, you'll see me there on a stool somewhere during these games. Yeah, th- those guys, I know you've, you've struck up a good relationship with those guys, Mike. Sounds like they've got a pretty good... Uh set up down there if it's something that uh you know you're in the south florida area and you're looking for a, a place to watch the game with night fans mike it sounds like that's a that's a pretty sweet setup they got down there yeah definitely a lot of big tvs out there uh food and drink specials three dollar fireball shots I mean, we would have to do one of those after each touchdown they got buckets bud five for 20 bucks the uh the seltzers like you like oh hey now. five five of those for 25 dollars. what's five for 25 um, jesus <laughs> It's a good. That's a bargain down here in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know where you, what the prices are like when you, yeah. where you guys go, but if you find a beer for under eight dollars down here, you take it and you run. <laughs> so, uh, but but that's a great time. And and the best part is you're surrounded by Knights fans. You got people watching the game. They put the sound on for you. You know they get it nice and loud with the uh, the radio, the TV call, and then on commercial breaks they got the music going. And it's a party the whole time. So I love going to those watch parties. You get to meet other night fans, and every one of these cities has one. Fort Lauderdale has one, but you, I'm sure there's one up there in Jacksonville. There for is, you. yeah, there is. Tampa, everywhere, all over the state. It's always a good time. Yeah, I think you can follow them on Twitter at SoFla Nights um, is their handle. Um, and if so, if you want to follow them, give those guys a follow. If you're down in South Florida, to again, it's a cool opportunity to go through, and we'd love to have a lot of those guys and from. If you guys are listening to us and you're part of alumni association, uh, and, and you're maybe you're you're not in Orlando, uh, hit us up. We we had a bunch of those uh, guys on pregame shows last year. We'd love to have him maybe on the Suns of UCF live show, so you can tell us where night fans can find you guys, hang out and whatnot. Because obviously we know not everybody can make it to the stadium. We know not everybody has the ability to go to every game. Obviously there's there's road games, uh, but no night fan should have to watch a game alone if they don't want to. So if you're a part of alumni group, let us know, man. We'd love to love to feature you on the show. That's how we met one of our good friends now, Paul Jones. He does the Alumni Association in Palm Beach. Yeah. And they have a big group up there, too. So I think he's going to be at the game with us. So uh, this first week, I don't know how crowded a lot of these spots are going to be because everybody wants to get back to the game, but not everybody can make it. So there's still going to be a good crowd out there. In Fort Lauderdale, I know for sure there's going to be people out there. So if you're in the area, you can't make it up to Orlando, you got to work on Friday, head out there. You'll have a good time, I guarantee you will, and uh, but before you do all that stuff again, don't forget Thursday, Mike, to tailgate. Um, I'm actually on Twitter now while we are recording the show, and I got to tell you, I don't know why. I don't know how, but I'm, I'm not saying it's trending, but Mike's potato salad is a, 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 continues to be a hot topic on uh, on Twitter, Mike. A lot of people 
are wondering about this potato salad, wondering what your recipe looks like. Um, uh, the Knight of Lorien is, doesn't want raisins in there, so he's got a request there. Uh, so I, I don't know my, I don't know what you're planning, but uh, our good friend at Citra Night uh, said that the pa- potato salad is reaching uh, T-shirt status here. So your potato salad is getting a lot of a lot of publicity. I don't know how this morphed into my potato salad. I have never once in my life made a potato salad. I do not plan on making one for Thursday. Oh. The potato salad you get will be the one from Publix. Oh, no. I don't know. I know there's a couple different styles, whether it's Southern style, New York style. Maybe I'll get both and make everybody happy. I don't know. But I'm definitely not making it. I will bring that. I'll bring some beers. I'm not bringing beer for everybody. I'm bringing beer for me. My cousin is coming with me, and I'll bring a couple extra ones. I'm not you know, a couple 12 packs, and I'm not drinking all of them. So I'll share a few beers. I'll share some potato salad. I'll get a couple other things, maybe a little uh, tray of Cubanito sandwiches or something. I don't know. I'll figure something out. I'm not. Uh, now you brought. Now you brought sandwiches. Now people are gonna <laughs> expect a, just a sandwich board from you there. No, don't expect a full uh, <laughs> full thing here. I'm not bringing everything. It's not a whole spread. So I'll bring a couple things for people to munch on. You want to bring some chips or whatever, and you know we'll share some things. But bring your own main course. Hmm. And bring your own sandwich. Bring your own chicken wings. Whatever you got to do to fill yourself up. But I don't mind getting a little bit for some people to munch on. All right, so potato salad and sandwiches. You can expect that from UCF Mike at the Sons of UCF Tailgate. Again, don't forget, right outside the state. We're like right there. So, you know, walk by, say hello on your way in. Maybe, maybe you know, head in a little a little early, maybe half hour or so early. Uh, come by, say hello. Should be a, a cavalcade of, of stars out there. A cavalcade of Sons of UCF favorites are scheduled to appear, Mike. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, we've already talked to some former players that have said they're going to stop by. Chris Martin says he's stopping by. Paul Carrington the other day says he's stopping by. So who knows? Who knows? Um, there may be a bunch of celebrities out there. Um, I, I've already got the party favors. You know, I'm like a, a mom doing her kid's first birthday. You know, I, I got I got the UCF napkins, the UCF cups, the UCF plates. I got the UCF balloons. This is a party, baby. And you're going to know you're walking into a party when you get there. All right. Well, if, if that's not enough for you to join me and soccer mom, Mike, at the tailgate, I don't know what is. But uh, we're going to take a quick break here so I can recalibrate the fact that Mike just turned into a 45-year-old suburban housewife. And when we return, <laughs> we will do uh, something we have never done before, but I've always wanted to try. I imagine we're going to suck at it, but that's what we do around here. Don't go anywhere. Sons of UCF, we're right back. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn. You're listening to the Future of UCF podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom. All right, something I've always wanted to try, Mike. I feel like we're create, uh, creative enough to pull this off, right? So we, you know, we don't always know what's going to happen, but I think we kind of know what's going to happen. And so what Mike and I want to do is we want to help you guys out because Look, it's going to be a crazy Thursday, big game, a lot of people there. You're probably going to have some fun with your friends, maybe have a couple of drinks. You know, you're going to maybe have to sleep in. Hopefully you took off Friday. If you are if you didn't take off Friday, rookie mistake. Make sure you're taking off Friday from work or you can go in much, much, much later if you need to. But you're going to wake up Friday celebrating the victory, maybe staggering around a little bit, maybe tired, maybe you lost your voice. You're just not going to have the same pep in your step, which means you're probably not going to be able to go to your cell phone or – for any of you who actually still get a newspaper, uh, and find out what happened during the game. Just kind of read the game recaps and all that stuff. 
So Mike and I are here to help you out now. We're gonna make it so you don't even have to bother that. So this is Friday's headlines today. We're gonna save you the effort. We're gonna tell you what happens Friday. Uh, and so with all due respect to our good buddy, Jason Beatty, who congratulations just got hired at the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, although I don't think he writes his own headlines, but if he did, uh, with all due respect to Jason, we think we've got some great UCF headlines. So Friday's headlines today, Mike, we're gonna tell you what's gonna happen before it happens. I'm gonna let you kick it off with uh, what's one headline you suspect we might see on the internet or on the newspapers or all that good jazz on Friday. I got to tell you, this was not as easy of a task as I thought it would be when you first presented me with the idea. I had writer's block for a long time today, and then finally I had a few come to my head. So let's see how this works out. The, the first headline I have is... Love at first night. Mm. Night Nation welcomes Gus Malzahn with open arms. And it's just a love fest. Gus comes in, wins his first game, and it's just everybody having a great time. Okay. All right. So you, you suspect that uh, the, the headline, the story there will be that night fans just fall in love with the uh, the Gus Malzahn era. Everything turns out roses, and it's uh, one big happy uh, party at the at the end there. Correct. Love at first night. Okay. Here's my first one. A whole lot of gusto. Malzahn game plan powers the Knights. That's uh, that's my headline, Mike. I think, look, Gus is, you know, he took that a legendary six weeks off where he recalibrated his life in six weeks, I guess. Uh, obviously, things did not end well for him at Auburn, at least not the way he wanted to. So I think hopefully Gus has been in the lab tinkering, thinking, trying to understand. I got to think you've given Gus Malzahn, you know, nowhere short of like 13 months to stew on what happened and to come up with a game plan. I got to think Gus has hopefully been at the whiteboard, just drawn a bunch of stuff up. So I'm going to go with whole lot of gusto. Malzahn's game plan powers the Knights. I'm expecting a, a big time, hopefully schematic advantage from Gus Malzahn. I like it. I like that we both have Gus related headlines to start with. And neither one of them said Gus bus. That's so true. That, that's good. That's true. Why? What's All your, right, you I, the second one there? Yeah, I like this one. Hammer and Hank. Knights revamp D-line. Booms Bachmeyer with six sacks. Wow. that's Six sacks. Wow, that's strong. I mean, obviously, look, everyone thinks the D-line is going to be the, uh, I guess, the strong uh, part of our defense this year. Um, I'm surprised you didn't go big cat. Maybe you got a big one. A uh, big cat, not big one. <laughs> Maybe you got a big cat um, <laughs> laying down the road there. Uh, but obviously, th- that would be fantastic. We have not been a team that's done a great job of getting at, uh, to the quarterback. So if we can hammer Hank with six sacks, I'll take that. Yeah, I was racking my brain all day for something with big cat. I, you know, I was definitely trying to get it in there. But this one includes the big cat with the D-line. He's responsible for at least two of those sacks. Uh, and that's going to be a big key to this game. If we can get pressure on, on Bachmeyer, I think that's going to make a big difference for our, the guys in our secondary. They won't have to cover as long. And, I mean, that is something that's been missing from this defense now for the last couple of years. Pressure on the quarterback, that's a big difference. And we all know football games, for as fancy as you want to get with the skill receivers and, and trick plays and all that stuff, Football for a thousand years now has always been won on the line of scrimmage. If we can control that with our new defensive line, with the big cat, Ricky Barber, Cam Good, Kalia Davis, uh, Traymon Morris Brash, Anthony Montavo, those guys rotating everybody in and getting pressure on Hank all day, I think we're going to have a very good night. Well, that's, that actually kind of leads into to my headline. Here's my second one. What can Brown do for you? 
Defensive TD, TD by Devontae, key to Knight's win. I think Devontae Brown, he's, he's a guy I've talked about, I think, in the last like three or four shows. Uh, I'm just going to go on a limb and say that he gets a pick six. I'm going to go pick six, Devontae Brown. Maybe the big cat gets in the backfield and Hank gets a little bit rattled, throws up a duck. Devontae grabs it out of the air and scores a touchdown. Like, look, obviously, if, if we want to be successful this year, we, we definitely need better play out of the defense. I know what you're thinking. It's not hard to play better when the defense played as bad as they did last year, but we need some game-changing plays from the defense. We meet, we need some momentum-swinging plays. I'd love to see us do something very similar to what we did when, when Stanford came to town. Jump on them early, not let them know it hit them. We got a we got a defensive play in there early from Aaron Robinson. I'd, I'd love to see us get out of the gate fast, punch these guys in the mouth. You know, get up. You know, two quick scores or two quick scores and a field goal, and and have a, a a dynamic defensive play, Mike. I think that would be such a fantastic start. I'd love to replicate what we did against Stanford. And uh, so I'm gonna go Devonte Brown with a pick six. Uh, what can Brown do for you? defensive scores get the crowd fired up more than anything and some of our biggest games we've had some big defensive scores obviously the peach bowl Shaquan burkett pick six uh you mentioned the aaron robinson against stanford even though i think he got stuck stopped at the one he did he did um it's happened many times the alabama game we had an interception return for a touchdown um i had another one just now in mind but that would be huge. Obviously, it takes the pressure off the offense. If somehow if the offense is struggling maybe in this game early on, trying to get some footing going, and the defense can come up with a big play like that, uh, bam, more. In the Fiesta Bowl against LSU, another mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Though that, that game didn't turn out great. But a play like that can really get the whole team jacked up. That would be incredible. Particularly at home, first game. Uh, you know, Obviously, Night Nation hasn't really been able to pack the bounce house in a lot of years. If, if we get up early and we get up, uh, you know, with a defensive score like that, that place is going to erupt. It's going to go crazy. And I don't know if boys is going to be ready for, you know, the heat, the humidity. And then if you've got 45,000 people screaming, yelling and on their feet after we've got a 14, nothing lead within the first two possessions, then that, that just could be a recipe for nights over for Boise. So I'd love to see us jump out with uh, with an early defensive score. Mike, uh, you got a third headline there. Yes, I do. Pandemic. Bounce house rocks at full capacity for first time in two years. Okay. Like that one? I do. So you're predicting, uh, I think we're going to talk about this on the live uh, show on Wednesday, but uh, you've got uh, you've got a sellout, Mike, close to a sellout. What do you think we're going to do from a crowd standpoint? I think it's going to be very close to a sellout. I know there's a lot of tickets on the resale market right now. A lot of people, and, and even last minute, sometimes people, things come up and, People are playing it safe with the COVID and people are actually having coming down with COVID and getting sick. Uh, our friend Libby that's supposed to be joining us at the tailgate is now a last minute. Can't make it because somebody in her family has it. That's going to happen to people. But I think there are enough people out there that are going to buy these tickets and people wait. The, the, the secondary market is a funny thing. I, I've sold tickets out there for years now. I sell my tickets with the games I don't go to. Typically, people wait till game day and get the best prices on those. So I, I think a lot of those will go. I think the stadium will be full. Uh, the students will overflow into what, any sections that we don't sell. So I think I think it's going to be a packed crowd. Man. I think it's going to be a loud crowd, over 40,000. The place holds what, just under 45. If it's not technically a sellout, it'll be very close to it. Um, I think it's going to be people can't wait to get back on campus. People like me that haven't been there in a couple of years, haven't tailgated. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very fun time on 
Thursday night. Yeah, I think I, I don't. I'm going to go on a limb and say we don't hit that sellout number, whatever the technical number is. But I do think, to your point, we'll get over that 40 plus. I think a couple things will be uh, be fold us. One, obviously, it's a Thursday, so you know it, it could be a tricky game. I know we've talked to a few people who we want to have come but can't make it because of work, work stuff and family stuff that's already there. So that could be a bit of a challenge. Um, and, and obviously you mentioned the pandemic. We, we don't know what that'll mean for most fans as, as numbers fluctuate, people will go through their individual stuff. So I, I think you're going to see that dreaded, you know, silver, uh, uh, bleacher section that's, uh, empty at some point in time. I also imagine the students are going to be a late arriving crowd. Mike, I, I assume is UCF still doing that thing where they cancel classes on Thursday or they're, they're not having classes early. Do you know? I'm pretty sure that if there are classes, they're over by two o'clock before they start letting people park on campus. I mean, so that means a year. Think about when you and I were in school, if we had to go a whole year now, I'm sure they tailgated in their own way on campus and their, their dorm rooms or whatnot. But if we had to go a whole year without being able to tailgate and have a good time, if that first game came out, we would be in the parking lot like the moment they would let us. And it would probably get ugly in a hurry. So I have a feeling the student section will be a late arriving section and or some people won't find a way to stagger their way in there. So I think that could hurt our numbers, too. I think we go over 40. I, I think we're going to see one of those dreaded uh, metal bleacher sections, though. Well, the students, if they want to get guaranteed to get in, I think they got to get in there early. There's, they let the first 12,000 in. I think they'll end up going over that number. So yeah, you may see it slowly filing in that's probably because there's a line to get into the stadium but I, I think people will be there i think maybe it was five minutes to go into the first quarter you may still see some empty seats but by the end of the first quarter i think the stadium will look pretty full all right here's my last headline you ready yep big kick energy late field goal propels knights to win that's right mike yeah. i said it we all know what's going to happen. We've been talking too much about the kickers. We've been talking too much about the kicking game. We've been doing all those things, and it's going to come down to a field goal. <laughs> we all know it. That's what's going to happen. Those are the luck of the odds. So I'm going to go big kick energy. Late field goal propels Knights to win. I don't know when that field goal will come. Hopefully, to your point, it's one of those things where you know maybe we're up you know, a point you know, or something, and we were able to kick something through with like two minutes left and have a defensive hold to, to win the game. But I have a feeling we're going to need a field goal at some point in this game. Notice that headline did not mention who was going to make that kick, but I'm going to go big kick energy. Late field goal propels Knights to win. All right. I, I, I got to roll with the positivity right now. Uh, I'm not confident in it, but if we do win this game with a kick, that would be great for the kicker's confidence going on throughout the rest of the season for sure. So uh, let's see what happens, man. If I, when I was coming up with these, I found it kind of easier to come up with negative headlines. <laughs> one, of, one of them was going to be kicker-related. Uh, we blew it, B-L-U-E, for yeah. the Boise Blue. Yeah. Uh, we blew it with a kick or something like that. Or blue-balled. Ah, uh, I <laughs> night's first uh, game comes to a screeching hole or something like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, man, hopefully the kickers are, are prepared because that's the one phase of the game. We've already discussed it earlier in the show. I don't think any of us is confident going into the game with it. Well, let's face it. We all know what's going to happen. We've, we've all talked about it too much. 
there's going to need to be a field goal late. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this as a field goal to win it at the buzzer kind of situation, but I, I think we're going to, we're going to be up, you know, two or three or something drive late. You know, uh, we stall, we have to rely on a field goal uh, in order to at least force Boise to go maybe the length of the field and score a touchdown versus getting a field goal or something like that. So I think we're going to need a kicker late. So big kick energy is my last headline. I have a bonus one too. If you want this one, I have a bonus. Yeah, go for it. All right. Bowser gives Boise the blues, brother. Transfer running back finds end zone twice in night's win. I think Isaiah Bowser maybe has a big game. Uh, so uh, Bowser gives Boise the blues, brother. All right. I like it. I like I it. There's a lot of Bs in there, a lot of little alliteration. I did the alliteration, got so. the Boise the blue in there. Uh, either way, my guy, it, it who knows what's going to happen. I think there's so many different outcomes. And that's the, that's the exciting thing about the start of a season is there's so much potential I think we know what this team can be. I think we know, uh, you know, where we have um, strengths over our opponents. It's really just figuring out, you know, how do we fill in some of the gaps? How do we fill in some of the pieces? And and how prepared does, does Gus and T will have the guys to play? Um, we've all seen those games where you come out a little bit flat. I mean, I'm hoping, like, I'm expecting, I don't know about you, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm hoping, expecting we come out just guns blazing and, uh, and, and you know, foot to the gas pedal on this one. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you do if you're Gus? We win the coin toss. You take the ball first. You kick off. I take the ball. I think you take the ball too in this yeah. game. Yeah. Take the ball and you see if the offense can get rolling. You get the crowd involved. If we go down and score, uh, I think that in this case we do it. I remember the Cincinnati game, the game day game. I said we kick off and let the def- and let the crowd play with them, and it's exactly what happened in that game. In this case, I think we want the ball first and. You know, see if we can start building momentum early. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna remember two new teams with new coaches. Yeah, it's gonna be a filling out process. If we can get the, on the board first, I think that's a big deal. Well, you know, forget. I mean, Gus is an offensive guy. He's here because he does offense. Uh, so I think you know the 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 opening page to his 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 story here at UCF. I mean, it's just only fitting. It has to be offense. Right? It has to be hopefully a big drive down the field. Uh, seeing some of those, uh, you know. I guess iconic sort of uh, Gus Malzahn. Hopefully he's got that Tulsa offense with him and not some of that Auburn offense because we, we definitely saw those those Tulsa numbers. But don't forget, Mike, even though Andy Avalos is a first-year head coach, he, he spent time at Boise. A lot of those guys are familiar a little bit with his system. So you know they, they may not have as much of a learning curve, at least understanding what's happening. Um, and and so we'll see if that provides any advantage. But, yeah, if I'm Gus, I take the ball. Hopefully I've got that drive scripted, Mike. I think he kind of essentially alluded to that recently, that he, he sort of scripts his plays. He kind of knows what he's going to call. Hopefully he's got that drive scripted. Hopefully it's been something he's been working on all summer. Hopefully him and Dylan. And, I, again, I think I said this in the live show. I, I think you see at least one trick play in that opening draft. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know if it'll be one of those, you know, halfback passes, one of those wildcat deals, a direct snap. But I think you see at least one trick play on Gus's opening draft. Right. You know, I'm not too gung-ho about a halfback pass or those types of plays because Dylan Gabriel is the best passer on this team. He's a very accurate passer. Sometimes you got you put the ball in the hands of a, like Ryan O'Keefe to throw the ball. Unless the guy's wide open, uh, sometimes that doesn't work out the best. So uh, I'm all for a trick play, but I don't know if, uh, if somebody else throwing the ball is the answer there. I, I'm, I'm going to be very excited to see a lot of motion before the snap, you know, a lot of jet sweeps, things like that, maybe some misdirection that way. I think that, that could lead to a big play. But as far as other people throwing the ball, I'd rather just have Dylan throw it. 
Maybe we'll get one of those Philly specials, right? Or those pit specials, whatever they call it, right? We'll, we'll, we'll unearth one of those and, uh, and find something that hopefully gets us wide open, Mike. But uh, again, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I definitely can't wait to uh, check it out, Mike. But it's not the only game being played this weekend. A bunch of other games are going to be played. And uh, coming up next, UCF Mike does his annual or the start of his annual picks. Don't go anywhere. Mike's going to tell you who's going to win. And somehow he's actually usually right. Don't move. Mike versus everybody. All right. He's not the best in the business or nothing, my friends. Mr. UCF Mike spends all of his time scouring the lines, finding value, trying to understand what's happening in the betting world. And each and every week, Mike is here to tell you what his picks are. Uh, he's also got a little pool tracker situation set up. Mike, you can share with that too. But it's time for Mike's picks. He tells you who's going to win before they even know it. That's right. We've been doing this for every year we've had the podcast now. I've been pretty good at it. And last year I proved it to every one of you because nobody was able to beat me in the pool tracker. Now this year we've started it again. It's still not too late. If you want to get in, there's only been one game played so far. You want to get in pooltracker.com. Sons of UCF is the name of the group. Gus bus 2021 is the password. Get in there. Uh, It's not too late. And last week we had one game, like I said, UConn and Fresno state. So right now we have 71 people in the group. Nearly everybody picked Fresno State to cover. I believe it was 27 and a half points. They did. They won something like 45 nothing. Uh, Elo was very excited. Our friend Eric Lopez, <laughs> that th- he got that one correct. <laughs> but only seven of you. I don't know what you guys are thinking. I, I don't want to have to name names, but I think maybe Jeff Allen or somebody was. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Stout, I think, picked uh, picked UConn for some reason. I, I don't know why, but. Um, yeah, so everybody, most people have one point. There were some people that forgot to make the pick. And I try to warn everybody that, you know, for some reason, UConn is in on the American still on this website. Nothing I can do about it. Don't come crying to me about it, okay? There's nothing I can do. I'm not in control of every, anything. All I did was put down American Athletic Conference picks, and that's what we do. They still have UConn on there. Yeah, get over it. But uh, here we go. We got three picks every week. We're going to do this every single week. I pick only games in the American. I'm kind of giving you guys uh, a clue into what I'm picking in the pool tracker. So it kind of makes your job easier. Trace always accuses me of cheating. Go back last year. I did the same thing. I always picked what I said I was going to pick. So it should be easier to make up ground on me. Harder? I don't know. But here are the picks. We have the music. That's the most important part of the pick. Yeah. I I need the music. You want the music back, huh? All right. Let me go now. Game one of the 2021 pick season. I am going with Texas Tech minus one and a half against the Houston Cougars. The game is being played at NRG Stadium, neutral site, but it is Houston in Houston. Texas Tech opened as a six and a half point favorite. That number has dropped five points. That's a huge drop in points. We talked about the UCF. Boise State game moving a point and a half. Five points. Did somebody contract COVID that I'm not aware of? Is the quarterback not playing? Is the coach out? I, I can't even tell you, but that, that is a big, big jump in the number. Is this the year Dana Holgerson finally gets the Houston Cougars offense rolling? It very, very, well, very well may be. This is the toughest game 
Houston has at in this beginning part of the schedule, if they win this, they can go on a roll. They can get ranked. They can start out 5-0, and 6-0. and Their next toughest game is all the way October 30th when they play SMU, and that game's at home. Texas Tech is not an impressive football team. They went 4-6 and six last year. Two of those four wins, a three-point win against Kansas and a two-point win against Houston Baptist, not impressing me enough. Give me Houston. I guess it's a home game. Technically, it's a neutral site game. Give me Houston as an underdog, getting one and a half to win outright. Houston Cougars, one and zero. Wow, you got a lot the of American. Yeah, you got a lot of the Big Twelve. Yeah, you got a lot of faith in, in Holgerson there. Huh? That's interesting. Uh, I saw recently though he he basically told uh, his uh, student body that they were going to wreck Texas Tech because te- Texas Tech has like a wreckum um, sort of chant there. So maybe there's some some bad blood there, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Holgerson was supposed to be better, um, and his team just haven't haven't produced. He's got a quarterback, Clayton Toon, who's returning. I think we saw him. Um, he was one of the for the first games he played after the year. King opted out of Houston. Uh, we faced him. He's not a terrible quarterback, um, but uh, he's he, he's definitely got um, got some stuff to do there. So we'll, we'll see. I I don't know. I would go Texas Tech. I don't know. Uh, just to be different than you, I'll go Texas Tech. Well, two years ago, I think the Houston team was the disappointing team. Remember, they lost a couple games early, mm-hmm. and then they told Derek King just redshirt the rest of the year and a couple other guys, and then they kind of threw in the towel on that season. Yeah. Last year, they, I think, were the team that was affected by COVID the most. They had about four weeks in a row where their games got canceled. Couldn't really get into a rhythm there. I think maybe Holgerson can get some things going. You know, he's a kook on the sideline. His hair's all over the place. It looks like Big Earn. Ernie McCracken from... Uh, from Kingpin. Sometimes he I wake up. Mr. McCracken's <laughs> already there. <laughs> exactly. He, he's a lunatic. So, uh, but give me Houston in the opener against Texas Tech, mostly because I don't think Texas Tech is any good. Speaking of lunatic, really quickly, um, and a follow up to an important story for you. Did you see this weekend, Mike, Chip Kelly and UCLA played Hawaii? Uh, they blew Hawaii out. Did you see Chip Kelly wore shorts on the sidelines? I'm telling you, it's catching on. Maybe I've been saying this for the last. Well, this is the fourth season of Sons of UCF. The very first episode. You did. I yes. said, Josh Heupel needs to come out and wear shorts. Make that his thing. He, instead of the shacket, how much cooler would he have been if he was the first guy to do shorts? Right? That would have been a, a cooler thing. Instead, Holgerson did it, and now Chip Kelly did it. I asked Lozon if he would do it. I mean, it's hot. He even He's heard him in the press conference today. It is hot here in Florida. Maybe you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that's got enough cachet and he's got enough cool to pull it off. If you wanted to go on the sidelines with one of those Hawaiian shirts and some shorts, I think he could do it. But uh, I don't know if he will this first year. I doubt it. All right, no. sorry, off uh, off topic there. So you've got uh, you've got Houston uh, over Texas Tech. What's your second game? Game number two: the Rutgers Scarlet Knights minus fourteen against the Temple Owls. Greg Schiano is back in charge over at Rutgers. They've showed some improvement last year. They lost an overtime game to Michigan. They beat Michigan State. They beat Maryland. And this one mainly is because of Temple. Temple is just bad. Temple will be battling the cows for the seller in the American Conference this year. I have no faith in them. They were horrible last year. Uh, this game is at home for Rutgers in Piscataway. Give me the Scarlet Knights. It's a Thursday night game. It's right before our game. So it's 6.30 kickoff. If you don't want to watch any of those other pregame shows, you can put this one on for 30 minutes before the UCF game kicks off. Uh, Rutgers should handle them easily. They're giving up 14. I say they win by 20, if not more. 
give me Rutgers to cover the two touchdown spread against Temple. Yeah, I think I actually picked Rutgers too. I think uh, Noah Vedrill may or may not still be in the mix. He was the starter for a lot of the year last year for Rutgers. I think he, I think he's got like nine more years of eligibility left. So. Uh, you may see him out there. Rutgers has improved, man. They actually did a pretty nice job on the recruiting trail. Um, Greg Schiano's did a nice job in a, a short amount of time getting that program back on top. And you're right, Temple, I think, is still trying to find their identity. They got just they got just bludgeoned last year by COVID stuff too, Mike. I mean, they they traveled to UCF with like 42 guys total. Um, you know, they've they've lost a lot of their uh, the, the guys from the quarterback position. Uh, a lot of their key guys have transferred out. So probably going to be one of those rebuilding years. And I think Rutgers is probably a program with the arrow pointing up. So I think it's a that's a smart one to, uh, to lay the points. I think Rutgers wins that one. Yeah, Shiano, that's his wheelhouse. I mean, he wasn't that great with the Buccaneers, and the NFL wasn't for him. But when he was with Rutgers the first time, yeah. he had that program rolling pretty well. And I expect them to, to keep improving now as the season's going. And the Big Ten, as we saw earlier this week, with Nebraska and Illinois. <laughs> there, there's some wins out there to be had in the Big Ten, I can tell you. Dude. Especially if you're playing Nebraska so, and Illinois, yes. Hashtag bad football out there. So I expect Shiano to put a few wins on the board this year. And Temple is a nice warm-up game for one. All right. Two down, one to go. Mike, you've always got a sneaky one for your uh, your third game. What do you got? Yeah, I, I already told you guys I'm not touching the UCF game one because the line is at a spot where I could see us winning by four, five points. It's five and a half now. I don't want to touch it. And I just don't want to jinx anything. I did this enough last year. I picked UCF a few times and things didn't turn out great, especially against the spread. I don't think we were very good at all last year. So I'm staying away from UCF week one. I'm going Marshall minus two and a half at Navy. Now Marshall opened as a three and a half point favorite. It's come down a point. The game is at Navy. Navy, a home underdog. You don't see that too often, especially against a team from Conference USA. Navy's got to be a lot better than they were last year. They can't be any worse, especially the way they started off the season last year. Who'd they have that opening game against last year? Where they didn't tackle a person? (laughs) BYU. And BYU turned out to be a pretty good team, as we saw. But that was an ugly, ugly performance. They were down like 38-0 at the end of the first quarter or something stupid like that. So, but we know that what a pain in the ass that triple option can be, especially coming in week one for Navy at home. There's a lot of UCF fans that are nervous about our game at Navy in October. You're telling me that Marshall's going to go in there and be a favorite? Uh, I don't buy it. I know Marshall has been improved the last couple of years. Last season, they started off the season 7-0, and only to lose the last three games of the years to Rice, UAB, and Buffalo. It's not like Marshall is a world beater. Give me Navy at home, playing with pride. And they're going to win outright, too. They're getting two and a half. I'll take that. So even if they lose by one or two, you still win the pick. Give me the midshipmen mm. to cover at home. Yeah, I know. I don't know. remember exactly what I picked here because I was going to go back anyway. Marshall's got a new head coach. I think it's Charles Huff. He's coming from Alabama. Doc Holliday, who's been there for a long Charlie time. Huff? Yeah, Charlie Huff. Um, Doc Holliday, who's been there for a long time, is no longer the coach there. Uh, and so I wonder what kind of energy uh, Huff's a, a young guy. Um, you wonder if he can connect with the, the players up there at Marshall. I don't really know what Marshall brings back. I mean, they, they typically have a pretty a pretty decent offense every season that we've seen them play. Um, and that you're right, that Navy game is always a challenge, especially first game of the year. Um, you know, think about it. You're, you're installing your defense. You're trying to figure out who your defense is. And then you have to run a completely different system um, in game one than you probably want to run the rest, run the rest of the year. So, that's, you know, I think I may have picked Marshall, but I think you talked me into Navy because I think that's, that's going to be quite a transition for a new defense 
get together, gel together, you know, learn a new scheme, and then they have to do something completely different. So give me Navy. I just hope they learned how to tackle or, or start to tackle at some point during the offseason. Yeah, that is a, a big key in football is actually tackling people, as we've learned. But I was surprised that Marshall is favored on the road. And, and we know how tough a place Navy is to play. We played there in 2017. It was not an easy game. And like I said, people are nervous about this year's game. And so the American Conference opener for us in October, I'm glad we have that bye week coming into that game because that triple option is no joke. And if Navy gets rolling, then it's hard to stop and they can just control the game. So uh, I think I'm pretty confident in these three picks. Houston uh, getting a point and a half at Texas Tech. We're not at Texas Tech, but versus Texas Tech. Rutgers laying two touchdowns at home against Temple and Navy getting two and a half at home against Marshall. Those are the locks of the week, the picks of the week. UCF Mike, now you know three of the picks I made. So you want to copy me on the, on the picks in the pool tracker? You want to go against me and try to make up ground? However you want to do it. But there it is. Lay it out for you. All right, real quickly. How many points does Alabama beat Miami by? Ooh, they're favored by 18, I think. Yeah. 17 and a half, something like that. Uh, they win by 24. And Notre Dame uh, coming to Florida State. Who wins that one? I mean, <laughs> we still don't know who's starting quarterback. Mackenzie Milton or Jordan Travis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Notre Dame is just a better football team. Notre Dame will win the game. Well, I didn't look at the spread. you know what the spread is? I don't know. I can tell you in a second. Um, now, I... This is going to be, for UCF fans, I know everybody's rooting for Mackenzie Milton. I'm rooting for Mackenzie Milton, too. I want him to have a very good game. I want him to have a great season. I, I hope he throws five touchdowns a game. I am not rooting for Florida State to win this game. Not just because I don't like Florida State, but also we want Notre Dame to, to go into that Cincinnati game undefeated, too, right? I yes. think that helps us. Yes. We don't want Notre Dame going in already with a loss to a, a middling Florida State team. Um Notre Dame is a seven and a half point favorite. They yeah. opened at nine and a half. DraftKings has them seven and a half, yeah. So uh, I could see Notre Dame winning that game by 10, covering. Uh, it's at home. Hopefully, McKenzie does play. Hopefully, he puts on a good performance. Maybe a close game. I hope, you know, like I said, I hope he throws a touchdown with a minute and a half to go to give Florida State the lead and they have a really good moment. And then Notre Dame comes down and kicks a field goal as time expires. And stays undefeated when they play Cincinnati because I think that will help us in the long run. Yeah, I agree with you. I know there's a lot of uh, um, seminal night fans this year, right? But I do think for our own selfish purposes, we we would love to see an undefeated Notre Dame uh, play Cincinnati because that, that can obviously only help our cause when we meet Cincinnati. Although Notre Dame breaking in a new quarterback too, Jack Cohn, who transferred from Wisconsin, uh, so he's coming in. But they still have Cameron Williams, their star running back, so. Who knows what will happen? Either way, you're not here to hear about that. What you're here is to hear Mike's locks of the week. You heard him again here. Uh, and so every week you can tune back in. Mike will recap how we did the week prior. He'll introduce a couple of new games uh, for you each week. If you want to take this one to your own particular bookie, that, that's on you. You know, at your own peril, at your own risk, UCF Mike is responsible only for the potato salad. He's not responsible for your picks. But coming up next, if Mike maybe doesn't win you some money, he might be cow of the week. Uh, he's not this week. Somebody will be, though. I don't know who that is just yet. But come back, and uh, we'll all find out together. Don't go anywhere. It's on to UCF. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer, and in my spare time when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on. 
All right, Mike. Cow of the week time. For those who may be finding us for the first time, cow of the week is when we tell you something or someone who did something bad, stupid, funny, or annoying that we just want to make fun of or talk about. And uh, each week we pick one in honor of our neighbors to the Southwest. So cow of the week comes around each and every week. Mike, this is uh, your time to shine, my friend. You always go first. Who is your cow of the week? This is another week where there is a lot of options to pick from. This was a story coming out of uh, my town over in New York. Not my team, thankfully. The New York Mets and their newest acquisition, Javier Baez, coming over from the Cubs. Him and a couple other guys, uh, Francisco Lindor, um, I think I want to say Kevin Pillar, and another guy that just came out today, booing the fans. (laughs) So we've heard of players being booed by the fans. The Mets players have now found a way to boo the fans back, and they do it when they do something good. So <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. These guys are putting thumbs down. You know, they knock in a run. They, they hit a double. Thumbs down. And that's to the fans for booing me when we were losing. Guess what, Javier Baez? The New York Mets were in first place for, what, three months? The first three, four months of this season? And they have gone in the tank since he came on the team, since the Mets traded for him. I think they've only won three, four games in August. And it, or maybe five now after beating the Nationals. This team has gone from being up about five, six games in the standings to now seven, eight games out with no shot of a wild card, nothing. The team has gone completely in the toilet. And he's worried about booing the fans back. I mean, the fans have a right to boo you. I hate to break it to you. The fans pay your salary. The fans pay for those tickets. They they spend all that money to go to those games. They can boo you if you want. You're a professional baseball player. Deal with it. You're making millions of dollars. To, to do this and start booing them back just shows that you don't understand what's going on. You don't get it. And what you think you're above booing? Everybody in New York has been booed. The greatest have been booed. Derek Jeter was booed. Mariano Rivera has been booed. Those guys didn't start booing the fans back. right? You, you take it. You deal with it. You move on. This guy just seems like a crybaby. He's always seemed like a little baby, even when he was with the Cubs. I don't like him. Lindor. You're supposed to be the next guy coming in for the Mets, being a savior for this team, being the big acquisition in the offseason. He doesn't seem that mature of a player either now. Uh, I, I, I bet they're regretting that, that the contract extension they gave him. It's just a mess over in Flushing. Uh, it doesn't really bother me because I'm not a Mets fan, but, man, these guys look like cows this week. Yeah, I mean, here's my only thing with it. Um, don't tell the media what, what it's for. If they had just made <laughs> up some stupid-ass story about, like, oh, it's just our way of community. Every, every baseball team does that thing now. The guys get on second, and they do something silly, right? They have some sort of sign with each other or whatever. If they had just said, oh, it's something we just do, blah, 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 and never actually mentioned it, I mean, to your point, it's still stupid and idiotic, and it's probably not the least bit funny or creative, but at least it's something that stays in between you guys. And three and a half years later, uh, you know, they – uh, you know, they come out with a book or something and you say that's what that was really for. But don't, don't tell anybody what you're doing it for. That's probably the <laughs> dumbest thing they could have done. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially in a, in a market like New York where they're just getting eaten alive now by the fans, the media. That was the dumbest thing he could have done. Obviously, this guy can't keep a secret. Uh, I, I bet you guys like Lindor probably, thought, you know, went along with it. Yeah, that'd be funny. You know, let, let's do that, whatever, between us. And then he's like, you idiot. You weren't supposed to actually tell them we were doing that. <laughs> but uh, 
this guy Baez doesn't look like he's got all the marbles in the case there. I don't know. I don't know. Something's off with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I watched him for years when I was rooting for the Cubs, and he's he's a bit out there. So, uh, but anytime the Mets do something funny, they're, that's just a, a funny scenario. Their owners on Twitter all the time, you know, just saying random stuff and then putting out statements. It's just a uh, no wonder the Mets can never seem to get out of their own way. Mike, speaking of guys who can't get out of their own way, I've got I've got two possible options for Cal the week. I'm going to start with our good old friend, Mister Scott Frost. Obviously, for those of you who were uh, around this weekend, it was week zero of college football, and we retreated to what I think is, but maybe it was the first game that kicked off, Mike, at least the first quote-unquote P5 game, uh, was the Nebraska Cornhuskers heading to play the Illinois Illini, the debut of Brett Bielema, and year four of Scott Frost, where this was the year, Mike. He finally felt like he had the team. He finally felt like he had the guys. And uh, Illinois jumped on early. It was 30-9 to nine at one point. Uh, uh, Adrian Martinez made a, just a horrible decision. Frost let him run for it um, late in the, before halftime. Uh, strip sacks, uh, scoop and score, pick six, or, uh, scoop and score for six. And uh, Illinois never really looked back, Mike. After the game uh, and today's press availability, somebody was asking Scott about what happened in the game. And this was a quote from the head coach of Nebraska, Mr. Scott Frost. About halfway through, our uh, half of our game plan was kind of out the window when they came up and lined up the way that they did. I give them credit, he said. We watched a lot of tape on them and tried to give our best guess as to what they're going to do. They played an entire spring game in an odd and came out and played an even. They had a little bit to do with it, but hey, we've got to get better. So if I heard Scott Frost correctly, he was like, man, those guys really confused me. I had no idea what to do. Is that what he just said, Mike? <laughs> yeah, that's the old hypo. Yeah, excuse coming yeah. after uh, the Cincinnati game. Yeah, he essentially said, "Ah, oh, man, we thought they're going to run an odd front. They ran an even front. So, you know, what are you going to do?" Uh, poor, I mean, Scott Frost just cannot get out of his own way. It feels like week after week, this guy is getting in uh, to more and more hot water. There's an NCAA investigation on about him now over using analysts incorrectly and over practicing or practicing when they weren't supposed to practice. Uh, you know, he keeps guaranteeing all these victories. And uh, Illinois was not a great football team last year. This was the the debut game. Their starting quarterback got knocked out, and they had to go to the Rutgers transfer backup. And uh, luckily, they had this vaunted uh, even front defense that Scott Frost just couldn't figure out how to get past, Mike. <laughs> and this Adrian Martinez kid, he sucks. <laughs> I hate to say that about a kid. But, man, I watched part of this game. He was – he, you know what he looked like? And obviously Mackenzie Milton turned out to be a much better player, but he looked like Mackenzie Milton in the Cure Bowl. He couldn't hit a wide-open receiver. He was throwing him 10 yards out of bounds. It was bad. It was real bad, and this guy is supposed to be the savior for them. Um, Nebraska's going to have another long year. And Scott Frost won 13 games with us his final year here in 2017. He's only won 12 now in his fourth season at Nebraska. Uh, this could be it for Scotty. Uh, it's not looking good. I think I saw someplace where the message boards were calling for Chenander to take over. Well, that's how <laughs> bad this has gotten, Mike, when Chenander may be the saving grace for you. That is how bad things have gotten. And look, things are not uh, looking favorable for Scotty because if indeed this investigation um, from the NCAA unearths anything that is problematic, um, you know, Scott could get fired for cause, which would essentially negate his buyout money. And if I'm Nebraska and I can get out of, you know, $20 million, granted, I don't know who you get to coach this team back to the, you know, the, the, the pantheon they think they belong in, but 
you know, if I can get out of $20 million easily, ah, I don't know, man. I think, and Scott's not going to win. I mean, it seems like a, a, seems like a win-win for the, the new AD, Trev Alberts. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, I don't know what they think. They, they think that they are a preeminent football program. They were a long time ago, but they have a long way to go now. I don't see it any way they get back to where they think they should be. It's hard to recruit over there, obviously, as, as Scott Frost has been improving. 20, football in 2021 is not what it was back in 94, 95 in the glory days of Nebraska football. So uh, I don't see people wanting to go play in Nebraska anymore. It, it's it's not looking good for them. And they're lucky that they're getting that free ride now in the Big Ten making all the money they are because uh, as a football program, it's been – it's been uh, it's been rough for the last few years. I just feel bad for some of these programs who just have to continue to live in the past. You know, Texas is back, Miami is back. These were great story programs, but things change, times evolve, and uh, you know, I, th- I think sometimes it's it's fan bases just can't let that stuff go. And I get it. I don't think I would. I mean, look, shoot, for us at UCF, we we wouldn't we didn't let that thirteen and zero season go. Every time we lost a game. Under Hypo, we lost our mind. So it's it's a tough thing to do. But at some point, Nebraska's going to sit down with Nebraska and be like, what are we doing here? Uh, my second potential cow of the week, Mike, um, are you familiar with the Milk Crate Challenge? And I know that you are because you were um, ruminating about maybe that becoming uh, an item at the Sons of UCF tailgate, which I think is kidding because there's no way you're finding that many milk crates, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you won't bring potato salad. You're not bringing milk crates. But uh, you're familiar with the Milk Crate Challenge, I assume? I am. Everybody bring one milk crate to the tailgate <laughs> party, and I think we can set it up. And it's not for me to do because I'm not doing it. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But I want to see everybody else try to do it. Yes. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yes. And, and see, see some injuries. You have to sign a waiver. JP Gilbert's already going to draft yep. one up for us. So uh, I, I've watched a bunch of these videos. And uh, I usually end up laughing. They usually end up with a guy hitting his back on a milk crate on the way down to the ground, right? So it's, it's, I don't know the aftermath. I don't know how many people are heading to emergency rooms. I don't really know what it looks like, Mike. But I found on Twitter today, and I don't know when it was filmed, but the milk crate challenge I feel like is a recent phenomenon. Um, but, so I don't know when it was filmed specifically, but I saw on Twitter today that Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith Schuster was completing the milk crate challenge. I don't know if you're aware, Mike, he's uh, an NFL player on an NFL roster. Um, NFL kicks off in, I think, roughly like 12 or so days, nine, eight days, something like that at this point. Uh, and so the NFL wide receiver decided the milk crate challenge is what, what he wanted to do a week and a half before his first game. Did he complete it? He did, did he actually. It he, got it, he did get it across, yes. And I think, guys, you, it doesn't look like it's hard to do. It doesn't uh, sound do like it. it's hard don't to do. Don't do it. Now you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I've seen videos of people co- easily completed. I saw one where a guy was standing on the top doing dumbbell curls. I saw one guy roll a joint all the way up and down the whole way, and he had no problem with it. I- I've seen some videos where people make it look pretty easy. So for an athlete like him, I would think he could do it. But it would have been a lot funnier if he <laughs> if he somehow injured himself and was out for the season because of it. It's just a stupid thing to do. Why put yourself at that risk? If you're an athlete like that, making money, and I'm sure there's a clause in his contract where if he got hurt doing something stupid like that, he wouldn't get any money. I assume there would not. Yeah, why? Why risk that contract? And he was one who, uh, I think he had to sign for a lower amount. I think he wanted more money. Didn't didn't get it. Came back to the Steelers. He was supposed to be leaving. Yada yada yada. So uh, so Scott Frost for not being able to figure out how to play against four down defensive linemen and Juju Smith Schuster for almost having a milk crate in his back. 
Those are my cows of the week, Mike. And we'll do a cow of the week each and every week here in the show, Mike. And this is the, I guess, the final show before we get into sort of season mode. So for those of you who aren't with us or haven't been with us during a season style um, show, here's what you can expect. Obviously, we'll we'll start off and we uh, we break down the game as only Mike and I can. We give you three things and we rank them based on our, some of our bowl game performances, uh, which are uh, some of the more legendary ones, which are Peach Bowl and uh, the Liberty Bowl 2010. And then some things that weren't as memorable, Mike, which is uh, I think we've used what Hawaii Bowl and Cure Bowl as those options. There is a, uh, again, a petition going around to replace the Cure Bowl with the Boca Bowl. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I've been thinking about that since you brought it up a couple weeks ago. I think that's a good call. Okay, I think so the Boca Bowl yes, is now, a, a is now the bottom the category. So uh, we will give you three things, and we'll tell you which category we feel like it uh, it fell in, and a uh, essentially a game uh, review and uh, breakdown of what happened. Then, Mike, I, I think we'll bring back UCF observations. Uh, there are a lot of things that you and I see during a game that we want to talk about that don't fit in the in the show. Uh, so kind of a fun segment, we'll do UCF observations. Obviously, Mike's picks will always be a part of that. Sometimes we'll preview the upcoming opponent. Uh, sometimes we'll have some guests on to talk about what happened. So that's what you can expect in a, in a game-style breakdown, Mike. So can't wait to, to get off, uh, I guess, our fourth season of the Sons of UCF, uh, at least fourth, uh, fourth full football season of Sons of UCF. Yeah, this is the reason I wanted to do the podcast. When we first started this show, I thought it was going to be during football season only. And then somehow we've done it every single week, basically for now, this is going on the fourth year. We do the off season. We do basketball. We do every sport, but this is our bread and butter football breaking down the games every week. Football. This is why we're all here. This is it. <laughs> this is why we're here. Right. And there's always a question in the dungeon. Why are we here? This is why we were at the sons of UCF for the football talk every week, week of a game leading up to the game, talking about last week's game. Uh, it's never a dull moment now in football season. Bring me all of your football. We want all of it, Mike. And again, this year we're, we're throwing in the Suns UCF Live, which was not something we did last year. So that will still come to you on Thursdays unless there happens to be a game on a Thursday like this week. Uh, then we will move uh, a day in advance. Mike, I think this is our last Thursday game of the season. If I have that right in my head, off the top of my head, I believe it's right. Uh, so there uh, shouldn't be any other Thursday conflicts, but we will uh, bring in the Suns UCF live, and that will help us even provide more coverage. Maybe we'll break down the uh, the opponent, uh, maybe get a little preview from a, uh, from somebody who knows a little bit more about who we're playing, Mike. So Suns UCF live will be a new element in year four of the Suns UCF show. That's right. Uh, we do have a couple Friday night games. There's the Memphis game on a Friday night, the Cal game on a Friday, which means Thursday, Thanksgiving. I doubt we're doing one on that Thursday. Louisville. But, uh, yeah, and Louisville is a Friday night too. So a few of them will be the day before the game. And it's always good to get we, – we've had some guys that cover the Boise team the last few weeks on the live show. So I'm sure Trace will do his hard work and get these guests on the show <laughs> and talk about, <laughs> talk about the opponents every week. That's always good. Give us a little insight into these teams. Um, but I, I love doing all these shows. Man. It, it's a lot of fun. It, it keeps me involved in, in knowing what's going on heading into the week and get a little insight on the other guys. That's always cool, too. Remember, remember we used to do five things you need to know about the opponent? We should bring some of that back. Those, those were fun. I learned a lot about uh, East Carolina that I did not know existed. Um, some people were um, 
uh, you may remember last year we did a pregame show. So about the before every uh, UCF game last year, Mike Trace and I joined you an hour before kickoff and uh, previewed the show. Don't know if we're going to do that uh, as much this year. Uh, last year worked out really well for us because it was during the pandemic. A lot of folks weren't able to go to games. So a lot of folks found themselves at home and watching games. So felt like a really good idea last year kind of as a one-year item to to bring that to you. But Trace is going to be at a lot of games. I'm going to beat a few games. Mike's going to beat a few games. So I'm not sure we'll bring you a, a live pregame show before every kickoff. Maybe a couple of special games this year. We'll see if we can't throw something together. Uh, but uh uh, not sure if we'll get to a, a live pregame show, but again, Thursday night will be live every night. So if you if you want to see us uh, the hour before kickoff for some reason, you can just replay the Thursday show. It'll still be just as good. That's right. Yeah, you re- you can listen to it the day of the game, the morning of the game. It still holds up good for guys that are making a trip into Orlando. Because people like me driving up from Fort Lauderdale or driving over from Tampa or whatever, you put on one of these shows for the drive over, get you ready, get all the info you need before each game. Um, that, that's what we're here for, to, to entertain you guys, give you some UCF news, and maybe give you a laugh or two along the way. A laugh or two along the way. So here's what you need to do. If you're not like following us on social media stuff, do that. If you're not subscribing or I don't know what they call it anymore, Mike, uh, um, following or liking, whatever it is, our podcast, find, uh, find where we are. We're on like every major podcast feed. Find us there. Make sure you subscribe us. We will drop in your feed automatically. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a review. We'd appreciate that as well. Uh, and don't forget to tune in on Thursdays for the live show. Trace joins us. Uh, and it's always a lot of fun for Mike and I to try to throw, uh, throw a monkey wrench into Trace's, uh, well manicured rundown. So you can, uh, watch uh, Trace explode why Mike and I absolutely torch the uh, work he put into a, a rundown. So it's always a lot of fun. Uh, so don't forget to find us in all those places at Sons of UCF. Again, two nightsmedia.com as well, Mike. This is it, my friend. Next time, the next time you and I are talking, it will be Wednesday. After that, it'll be in the tailgate watching our, our nights potentially um, steamroll the victory against Boise State. I cannot, uh, I cannot contain my excitement. Oh, man, I am pumped up too. I can't wait to get up there. And the next time we record one of these, we'll be talking about the game and what happened on that Thursday night. All the good things, hopefully none of the bad things. Uh, All the fun that we've had at the tailgate party and all the people we got to meet, that's going to be a fun episode next week. You're not going to want to miss that one. So I can't wait, man. Only we got to go to sleep, what, three more times? You don't have to. (laughs) You you can just stay awake. (laughs) You don't need to go to sleep. Oh, man. I don't know if I'll be able to sleep on Wednesday night. I'll be so jacked up. So. Let's do it, man. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get out there, see everybody, and watch some football. Well, everybody travel safe if you're coming in for the game. Travel safe. You know, Give yourself some time. Uh, you know, uh, Don't do anything reckless. Day of game. Everybody be nice to each other. It's going to be a weird environment. First time everyone back together. Some people may feel a certain way. Just be nice. Be respectful. Say hello to people. Give people their space if they want it. Uh, let's make uh, let's make the bounce house a real fun and happy place for everybody who wants to be there. You know, let's just enjoy the fact that we're all back together again. Let's have some fun, Mike. And it probably be remiss too, by the way. We should definitely send our thoughts to everybody in New Orleans. If you have friends and family in New Orleans, obviously they're going through a pretty tough um, aftermath of Hurricane Ida. So to all of our knights out there in Louisiana, hopefully everyone is safe and uh, you guys are in our thoughts and prayers, Mike. But Thursday. UCF Boise Wednesday Sons of UCF live and whenever you're listening to this now we've got you covered so until we meet again my friends Sons of UCF 145 we are signing off can't wait to see everybody Thursday go Knights Tater salad baby charge on
Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.